Hey there, ghosts and ghouls. This episode depicts a graphic vehicle accident. Not graphic in terms of words or descriptions, but in terms of sound. If that's something you'd rather not hear, I'd suggest taking a look at our transcripts today and skipping those bits. Do you remember when we were kids? And every once in a while, a cricket would get in the house. It was like the sound of it slowly swallowed everything else up. Until all we could think or be or know was that chirp. Mom would usually find it after a while and stomp it into silence, but even then the sound would haunt us in its absence. What am I doing? Everything is going to be fine. Everything is fine. I'm... Parker, something's happening to me. Something like one of those crickets, only mom's not here to stomp it out and I don't know if anyone can. It might all be in my head, it might not, but if, if for some reason we don't get the chance to talk again, I need you to know that I fought it, okay? I fought it. I am fighting it. But I don't think I'm going to win. Episode 4, The Haunting. Okay, saving as listen to this, Parker ridiculous anxiety brain. Now will you let me sleep? I'll take that as a no. Okay. I know it's ridiculous, but maybe if I do some sort of anti-ghost ritual, my anxiety brain will chill out enough for me to get a couple of hours. Mesopotamian anti-witchcraft rituals. No. Salt cleansing ritual? Mm, maybe. Sounds messy. What else? Ghost-proof your apartment in five easy steps. Worth a fucking shot.
This is You Ain't Seen Nothing Yet. I'm Cass Bromley, and along with my team of seasoned specialists, I hunt down ghosts and put a stop to violent hauntings. This week, we're taking a break from our usual content to show you what you can do to prevent those hauntings in the first place. But first, take a second to like and subscribe. And if you've got them, leave your ghost-proofing tips in the comments below. And with that, I'll turn it over to Myrtle for some surefire ghost-proofing tips that you can try with things that are already in your pantry. Or your parents' pantry. Or your friends' pantry. Myrtle, do people have pantries anymore? Some of them do, Cass. And the rest of us can take a quick trip to the store or buy stuff online. Okay, so, you're worried that, for whatever reason, your current abode might be a ghost magnet. Never fear. As long as your place isn't already haunted, the tricks I'm about to show you should work in 99% of cases. And in the other 1% of cases? Shit. You should call us. This isn't Definitely. going to work. Or shoot us an email. Wait, what am I saying? This place isn't really haunted. It's all in my head. I'm not trying to really ghost-proof. I'm just trying to turn the anxiety dial down. But if my anxiety brain doesn't believe it's gonna work, it's not gonna turn the dial down. <sighs> okay, okay. I'll send them an email and then do that messy salt ritual thing. Salt ritual doesn't take too long because I have, oh great, two hours to sleep. At this rate, I might as well stay up, do some dishes and some laundry. Uh, maybe I'll be able to take a nap in my office later. TGIM? Jeez, I really have to stop talking to myself. This is an old story. Girl meets ghost, ghost haunts girl. Like most old stories, it is bloodthirsty. A narrative shaping the world toward inevitable tragedy and loss. Not because it wants to warn us, not because it hopes we'll learn to seek a better way. Nothing so noble as that. Hmm. There are those who insist that narratives like this one are agents of entropy, moving the world from order to disorder. That they, like everything else, obey the laws of the universe. And those folks might be right. But do you know what I think? I think narratives are what give the universe its shape. I think they move from entropy to order over and over and over again. And I know, believe me, I know, that that sounds like a good thing. But it isn't. It's... Order is a shoebox with no holes poked into it. And we? We're the unlucky specimens captured by some amateur scientist and left to suffocate inside. When a narrative this ancient, this ugly, comes barreling toward you, the last thing you want to do is play right into its tropes. 
That's how it gets its hooks into you. How it sorts you into a role and kills you off, or turns you into a caricature of yourself before you even know what's happened. But how was you lately supposed to know that? How am I still running late? It's not like I slept in. Wait, wait, wait. Come on, light. Wait, change. Wait, Help a girl wait, out. Wait, wait, wait. Walk sign is on. Across. That silent land where you can no more hold me by the hand. <sighs> Remember not here. Me. Understand? Understand? It's silent. It's Darkness. Grief. I'm just going Grief. to keep walking. I Grief. can't hear you. Grief. I can't hear you because Grief. you aren't real. Miss! Wait! The light changed! Miss! I wish I could say that I was confused by the light and the sounds and the sheer difference of the world around me, but that wasn't it, not entirely. I was puzzled by lots of things, like the moving photographs in the folding metal frame the woman carried around like a book, and the beeping and whirring metal box into which she put strange food before eating it. But I knew what I was doing. I knew what I was. I woke up to you rattling to life around me, gears whizzing and whizzing and whizzing until I heard the tinny sound of my own voice, vibrating from the past like some sort of revenant. And I knew. I remembered everything. It doesn't help to explain, really. It doesn't absolve me of any guilt. But I have to say it aloud. I need someone to know. And there isn't anyone, really, to tell but you. All my life, I followed the rules. Wear a corset. Speak softly. Take up needlework, but keep it decorative. Play for the guests on the piano, but don't expect to play on a larger stage. Learn French, but only enough to be fashionable. When I got sick, the rules changed, slightly. I was to stay in my bed, take my tinctures and nostrums and pills, allow the doctors to take my blood, 
set an example with my patience and kindness for the healthy people who deigned to visit. And always, always listen to Mama. Because Mama knows what's best. When the blood first appeared in my handkerchief, Mama told me to read a poem for the phonograph. So I read a poem for the phonograph. When it seemed I coughed more than I breathed, Mama told me it was okay to let go, to move on. So I let go, and I moved on. Or I tried to. The rules are supposed to keep you safe and happy. The rules are supposed to bring you romance, love, children, fulfillment. Something to fill the aching void of adventure cauterized and possibility ripped away, gifted to one's brothers and male cousins and nephews at one's expense. The rules are that when you die, you're at peace, unless you come back. If you should be so cheeky as to return to the world of the living, there's only one thing you can do. Destroy it. Destroy whatever life you find yourself closest to. Punish whoever or whatever gets in your way. Rage until you lose yourself in the pain. And then disappear. There are rules even for breaking the rules, and I followed them. Because even if I hoped for something better, it was all I knew. All of the stories, all of the wives' tales, all of my experience pointed toward one course of action. A proper haunting, like the kind Anne Radcliffe or Emmy Braddon or E. Nesbitt liked to write about. I knew what I was doing. And part of me? Part of me wanted to do it. Part of me almost, almost enjoyed it. But I didn't understand what I was doing. I didn't realize that there was another way. I didn't think. And now, it's too late. Ooh, someone have a new ghost for us to investigate? Oh, please tell me there's a ghost for us to investigate. Our channel's been nothing but fluff pieces for weeks. Dear, you hain't seen nothing yet. I think my apartment is haunted. Well, not my apartment. The phonograph I just brought home. Ooh, it's probably all in my head. I just, I can't sleep and I thought I'd ask if you have any advice. Sincerely, a desperate insomniac. Heck Yes! The team is going to be so stoked when they hear about this. Now, just to trace the IP address and do a little more digging. I haunted as direly as I knew how, throwing my voice into everyone and everything that would take it. And I drove the woman to distraction. She stepped into the street, and an omnibus, 
I think it was an omnibus, only horseless, like a motor car, slammed into her and threw her back onto the sidewalk as though she were nothing more than a limp doll. They took her away in another sort of motor car, this one like a handsome cab in shape, and I followed. I followed into a drab building full of beeping things and rushing people, machines and more boxes with moving pictures, and beds with people lying in them, some crying out or tossing and turning with pain, some not moving at all. It didn't look at all like the hospitals I knew, but the smell was unmistakable. They put the woman in one of those beds. Eulalie. The men and women clustered around her bed called her Eulalie. One of them seemed to know her and clasped Eulalie's hand when everyone else moved away. I stayed there with her phonograph until the strange lights on the ceiling began to flicker and her breath puffed like fog into the air. That beeping machine drowned out all of the noise of that place and each beep drove like a pin into my being until I was all abuzz and the lights popped and went out. The doctors rushed back in then. They seemed worried and prodded at the machines they'd attached to you lately with grim faces. It was me affecting the machines. At least, I think it was. So I left. And I ended up back here, in this tiny little flat where Eulalie lives. Phonograph, I did what I thought I was supposed to do. I did what I thought I'd been kept here to do. I followed the rules. So why do I feel like I made the wrong choice? Ghosts haunt people. Haunting hurts people. But I always thought that that hurting must be for the best. That it was divine retribution. That it was justice. That it was a lesson for everyone else. Phonograph, what if it isn't? What if the only thing Eulalie did wrong was fix a broken machine, give voice to a sound long kept silent? What if it's not the order of things? What if it's not destiny? What if I've made things immeasurably worse for myself and for Eulalie? What if I've done something I can't make right? I don't know what to do. This episode of The Way We Hunt Now is written, directed, and produced by Courtney Floyd with voice acting in order of appearance by Courtney Floyd as Eulalie, Brad Colebrook as Cass Bromley, Tal Minear as Myrtle, Kira Apple as the narrator, Eleanor Gray as Frankie, Christopher Cologne as the bystander. Whether you're new to the spirit world or simply a ghost in need of some entertainment, you can visit www.hauntnowpod.com for more episodes, as well as information about our cast and crew, content warnings, transcripts, and links to our social media. Remember to haunt responsibly.